come and sing Red and Roses with me. That a sudden sun discloses For the people hear us singing Bread and roses, bread and roses As we go marching, marching We battle to for men For they are women's children Roses as we go marching, marching, unnumbered women dead go crying through our singing their ancient call for bread, small art and love and beauty, their drudging spirits new. Yes, it is bread we fight for. We bring the greater days The rising of the women Means the rising of the race No more the drudge and diver Tend that toil where one reposes But a sharing of life's glories Bread and roses, bread and And welcome to the Weekly Review. This is Roman. It's Friday, March 10th, 2017. We are here at Mutiny Radio here in the Mission District in San Francisco. Hope everyone had a good week, did some good things, some positive things, made some change in the world, took down the government. Oh, wait, that hasn't happened yet. Anyway, just trying to spread some inspiring words. And this is more... Perhaps I should rephrase what I'm trying to say. I don't think people in positions of power who cause a lot of harm to the world, uh, I don't think they should be there. And there was a big strike on, on Wednesday, women's strike, and my thinking was that it should continue on until everyone from Travis Kalanick to 45, every misogynist in a position of power, are taken out of power. I think that would be great. It would be a safer world for everyone. There's no reason that these people should be making laws and rules that harm people and tear families apart, and have this behavior that other people model themselves after. It's, it's one thing if you're a problematic person in the world, it's another thing if you have extra power, and people look up to you, and then you're paid, and you run companies, and you quote-unquote run the country, even though, I mean, gross, no. Ugh. So, th- this is just my thinking of it, that it's, it's dangerous, and these people are dangerous, and they shouldn't be in power. And we should probably be doing everything we can in order to to stop them. This is just my thought. I know I'm not alone in this. 
And there's a lot more I would like to say. I censor myself on this show. I say it's an uncensored show, and there's a lot more I would like to say. And for to protect myself, I, I don't say all I want to say. And I think that's true with a lot of us out in the world, whether that's because we are being, there's like mass surveillance, uh, through either through cell phones or wiretapping or cameras everywhere. We're being watched, we're being listened to. And my whole joke, not really a joke, because it's serious and it's sad, is that maybe they might li- they might, they might be, maybe they might learn something if people were to actually listen. The folks who are who are listening in on us and our conversations and our discussions, perhaps instead of trying to frame us or to find something that we might say or do that might get us in trouble, perhaps listen to what we have to say, listen to the emotions in our voices, listen to their fear and the anger and the frustration that a lot of us have been experiencing for a very long time. I say that a lot. I say a very long time. But that's true because I'm not just angry at this administration. If you've been listening to the show, it started in the last administration. And there was a lot of stuff that was wrong then, too. A lot of things have been built up. Things that happened before I was born. Things that happened before any of us were born. And these systems have been in place. And this is the world that we've inherited. So what are we going to do to change it? I feel like I'm sounding like Diamond Dave. Not uh, with just the, the, the cadence that I'm using. Interesting how we pick up things from people that we, we spend time with and we hear. So this is this is one idea, and it's it's also the current regime is is fascistic, and there are folks who still support it. Where to start? Where to begin? So there was the the rally on Wednesday, and before that on Saturday there were marches around the country, although not too many marches and too too many people. I think depending on where you're at. So folks came out to Berkeley, the Civic Center Park, right by the police station, and they're pro-Trump supporters. Ugh, so some of us were out there, um, anti-Trump people. And uh, things got violent. There were fistfights. There were people who were attacked. There was a lot of name calling. There was some hat burnings. Uh, the, for the first few hours, the police pretty much stood around the perimeter, not doing anything. And one thing, I should try to find the positive, is that a lot of the Trump supporters were really angry at the police. And it's like, now you know how the rest of us feel. And uh, I, oh, there's so much to even get into. And also, I want to encourage folks, if you were there at any rallies, or if you have anything awesome to say, it doesn't have to be awesome. Anything at all. Why did I say awesome? If you were at any of the rallies or protests around, and or if you have information to share, please call. We're at 415-550-0511. Oh, yeah. So, back. So, anyway, I was assaulted by a police officer. It's not the first time. And I also, every time I mention this, I'm also, like weirdly grateful and also just like that it's, it's it's so minor compared to what they do and we'll be talking a story and a story about that because remember there was the i mean there's so just every fucking day there's police brutality every day and not all of it gets reported um so there was the the officer in anaheim off-duty officer who like put out took out a gun like fired at like 13 year olds fucking gross anyway they're gonna sue him so there we go. That's cool. That that's anyway. But in the grand scheme of things, it's when I get when I get pushed by a police officer, for instance. Of course, I wasn't doing anything fucking wrong. I was standing on the sidewalk, which I guess is a problem. Um, and I, I said no because he they're being so fucking rude and just mean. And it's like I don't care if you have a fucking badge, honestly. And I recognize I have a lot of privilege in that. I could say that to them, and all I all that happens to me is I get pushed. Even though there's they could have easily walked around me, they could have asked me nicely, but instead they kind of they provoked me and they interrogated me, and they were just it was like a show of force more than anything. If they were anyone else, <sighs> anyway, it was pretty. It was really frustrating. And then compared to all the things that happened with police, it's so minor. It's so minor. I'm actually able to fucking tell the story. So this is, 
that's why it's important to talk about. Anyway, so for the first few hours, police were not doing anything. People were getting into fistfights. People were hurt. It was bad. And so the night after, the night uh, I was able to sleep, and then the night after that, I just couldn't. I was just kind of, I don't know, some PTSD and some just, ugh, grossness, feeling not good. And I couldn't sleep, so then I got online, which I know is not a good idea. And for some reason, I was looking, trying to find footage of the, the protests, and I ended up across the, on the, the Berkeley Police Department webpage, the Google Yelp page, not a Yelp, but it's, you know, you can, you can rate them because you can rate everything right now these days. And they have 1.5 out of 5 stars, which doesn't seem very good. And the last few people to comment on it and give them low ratings were pro-Trump supporters who are really angry at the police. And one person had even posted, you know, oh, you're terrible. You didn't help us at all. Trump should defund you. Trump should defund the police department, the Berkeley Police Department. And I thought, how ironic is this that someone, the quote-unquote opponents here have some of the same goals that some of us have where it's to defund the police department. So that was something. Also, I talked to a woman who was a tra- she had a transgender for Trump sign. So I thought, I got to fucking talk to this person. And we talked for maybe 10, 15 minutes. There's also a, a Trump supporter that was near her who engaged in conversation as well. And he was more of a libertarian. There definitely were some like Nazi fucks there, like really angry, gross, vitriolic, fucking disgusting. I talked to a few people there. Yelled at some as well. Some people were just like the, just the straight up fucking white supremacist, gross, fuck, like just get the fuck away type of people. Other folks were more kind of brainwashed, like, cops are here to save us. And I'm like, well, maybe you, but not the rest of us. <sighs> and then I got called an anti-Semite. That was cute. Um, oh, yeah. So going back to the, the transgender. So we talked for a while, and I really wanted to focus on the, the issues because we could talk about, like, name-calling and all these things and then also try to find what do we have in common. And also, why would you defend someone like 45 who is has attacked so many people, including trans folks and some – and the what I, the sense I got from this person was that there was some internalized transphobia. As, I mean, I have it. I think it's really difficult to grow up in this society and not internalize any of the biases that are against us. Uh, then also, though, one needs to like act in one's own best self-interest. And I don't have a lot of faith <laughs> in the system and a lot of candidates. Absolutely. So we, you know, agreed that we didn't like, you know, so there was this idea, oh, well, do you like Hillary Clinton? I said, no. And so there's this idea, it's not like just because I don't like one person, I have to like the other. So we agreed on that. We ended up talking about private prisons and how private prisons are terrible. Me, this trans woman for Trump, and this other guy who's a libertarian. And also, I don't want to defend, I, I want to you know, acknowledge that people are three-dimensional and also acknowledge that it's still super problematic that you can look beyond a candidate's misogyny and racism and classism and and still have that not be a deal breaker for you. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to like acknowledge that. And it's really weird. So I've talked to, cause I, I also recognize like there are some, believe me, I'm all for fucking punching Nazis. Believe me. Yes. And there's also folks who I feel are, they don't necessarily see themselves as hateful. They don't necessarily want anyone to be harmed. And yet the, the system has left so many people angry and frustrated and without answers that people will cling to whatever they have, whatever they can. And I feel like with some folks, then there is that I, there is that sense in talking with them. And I recognize not everyone has the ability. Like, I get that it's not everyone's bag to talk to folks like that on the quote-unquote other side. I do feel like when that's an option, um, if someone's not coming at me with violence, if they are not trying to kill me, <laughs> granted they're voting for someone who wants to kill me, um, if I can at least talk with them and find some commonalities to talk about the actual issues and how we can all kind of, the people can come together. Cause that's the thing I was thinking afterwards was that 
if everyone in the park, not everyone in the park, because there were definitely some people there who were super fucking gross white supremacists, as I'm saying. Ugh, I don't want, yeah, you don't fucking work with fascists. There were folks there who are just like, I think, angry at the system. And if we can, as a people could come together, like look at the what the cops were doing, they were harming people. So it's like, can we all kind of come together? And I think that's what's going to take, the people coming together and fighting against the system, not each other. Oh. So <laughs> that's a minor report from Saturday. And yeah, it was very, yeah, definitely a, a triggering experience. Um, yeah, people were hurt. People were injured. Uh, it was, ugh, I'm still processing it all. And, ugh, just, ugh, it's just really creepy. And I think for for folks, there are still people out there who don't recognize what's happening and the rise in hate crime attacks whether it's again, you know, the bomb threats to Jewish community centers and mosques being burned and Jewish cemeteries, we having graffiti and you know being headstones being knocked over, people being murdered. There are, are folks who have been murdered. There's an I want to give the correct information and I don't have it off the top of my head, but I believe he was from India. He was murdered. Um, it was in Kansas. So there's these hate, a rise in hate crime attacks. Also, LGBTQ kids being bullied. And also, of course, you know, we end up hearing in our bubbles, maybe the, the groups that we're either a part of or affiliated with. So I also want to recognize that what I, what I say is just information that I've heard. And, of course, I'm more plugged into LGBTQ communities and Jewish communities. So I'm, I'm going to be more maybe biased in terms of the information that I hear and the information that I share. So I, of course, don't want to say that this is the, by any means, the majority of what's happening. This is also just a, a segment of what's happening. So let's imagine this on a, on a wider scale of who else has been attacked that we're not necessarily hearing about or things that I haven't heard about that hasn't been reported yet. Again, I'm just one, I'm just a person, one person. So of course, and this is a super independent media. I don't get paid to do this. I do that because we have so many other news outlets there, quote-unquote news outlets that thrive on propaganda, that thrive on fear-mongering. And yeah, there's a lot of things to be afraid of, but I don't think it's necessarily what we're told to be afraid of. In reality, it's white supremacy, it's patriarchy, it's capitalism, it's the things that kill us. That's what we should be afraid of, and that's what we should be fighting. And had that always been a media narrative, instead of the media being complicit in elevating people in positions of power, we wouldn't be here right now. This has been going on for a long time. And there's still people who are shocked about this, that this is happening. People can't accept it. That Oh, this person's president? How did this happen? How, how the fuck do you think it happened? NBC gave him a fucking show. First of all, he inherited his wealth from his fucking racist-ass dad. So, problem number one. He's been given a platform time and time again. He's never been stopped. Saturday Night Live asked him to fucking host in 2015. And then they're like, then they get angry at him. They're complicit. Fucking Jimmy Fallon. I mean, there's a lot of, ugh. The media is complicit. This, this is what happens. NBC and CBS, at least. This idea that, oh, well, we'll get good ratings. We don't care if we have a fucking fascist on the air sharing their horrific ideas or trying to normalize themselves among the public. I blame capitalism for most things. And I recognize, you know, okay, blame only goes so far. What are the solutions? Well, the solution is creating another society that I think a lot of people have tried to create and the state doesn't want that, whether that's living off-grid, 
having free markets or having people who can, communities that can self-sustain themselves, communities that can quote-unquote police themselves or take care of themselves without relying on the state, without relying on outside interference. People have been trying to do that for a long time. And then places get raided. People get shut down. People get arrested or fined for collecting rainwater. Look at the pipelines. People trying to protect their fucking land. Excuse me. I'm not because I'm swearing, but just because the land is sacred. And even like, we're on a lonely land right now. I am. It's this ongoing thing. Colonial Colonialism like never stopped. It wasn't like, oh, they came in 1492, they murdered people, and then it ended. It's just this ongoing thing. Gentrification is an ongoing thing, and I also recognize my own part in that. And then again, I think about, well, where is my home? What is my home? If I were to go back to where my ancestors came from, let's see, 100 years ago, 100 years ago. Okay, so somewhere out of the, yeah, in Europe about 100 years ago. And in towns that were demolished, that were decimated. So I don't feel like I have a a home to go back to. And that's just something else. I've never been to, I don't necessarily feel, as someone who is of Jewish heritage, I don't feel necessarily a connection with the state of Israel. Military does, similar to what happens here in the United States. I don't align myself with it. I don't feel it represents myself or my interests. And so then what does one do when one have any kind of really personal connection? I've heard of people going there and having a personal connection with it. I don't. I've never been there. I feel really frustrated knowing that this is what happens. And this is how the military feel the same with this country, too. So how does, where does one go? Where does one feel safe? Where does one feel at home? And also recognizing if I go somewhere else, I'm, it, it's just this constant idea of being on someone else's land and and I also am very much of the idea that the land doesn't belong to anyone, yet folks kind of come in, they steal the land, they quote-unquote buy it, and then they think they own it, and then put up borders, these, this false idea of borders. When we talk about deportations and how obscene, like there's like no, no sense of history at all. With this idea of like deporting folks, uh, especially to Mexico, it's like where do you, who, the people were here before, and then they created... People create these false ideas of borders, these imaginary borders, imaginary borders, and then arrest people for crossing the borders or not having documented paperwork, which sometimes costs thousands of dollars and sometimes people aren't able to get. Send them in. It's just, it's this uh, giant police state. And recognizing that we have, a lot of us have certain, depending on who you are and one's background, there's like privileges. So I think for a lot of us, myself included, it it's this weird like in between, like one can recognize things are really problematic and I'm still, I have a certain level of safety. I have a certain level of privilege. I can say certain things and do certain things. I could put myself out there in a way. And at the same time, I recognize I really like I, I'm not doing nearly enough because my whole thinking is that if we were doing enough, we would not that it's like just super simple to, to dismantle problematic institutions as people have been trying to do that for a very long time. It's that I feel like if my, myself included, if I were to do as much as I really could do, then I might not be here right now. And at the same time, there might be more of a change. So this is just one idea of thinking. And there's also, again, a lot that I don't necessarily say out loud, but a lot of us have been thinking about. <sighs> right now, at City Hall, there is, uh, there's like nationwide rallies. 
I shouldn't say, just at City Hall. So in California, New York, Michigan, and Virginia, it's uh, Yemeni Americans United Against the Muslim Ban 2.0. And there's a hashtag, uh, Yemen is against ban, hashtag no ban, no wall. So there's rallies happening nationwide at City Hall. There's a press conference today at 1230. There's a Friday service at 1 p.m. And there's a march and rally at Civic Center at 2 p.m. So if you're listening to this and you're in the Bay Area and would like to join and support, please check that out. A few more other things. There's a lot of things happening. I'll go to more. That's the good thing, is that a lot of people are taking action. There's oftentimes actions, trainings, workshops happening at the same time. So that's a good thing. People are positive. Don't Please don't assume that I'm a pessimist. I'm an optimist. I might sound cranky and angry. And I think it's a very realistic thing. If, if one isn't angry about what's happening, then where's your fucking heart? So... And also, it just feels better. It feels better to acknowledge it and to recognize, all right, I'm not, I maybe could do more. I feel that way. And also, one makes mistakes, recognizing that with either language one uses or what one does. You know, we have to keep on learning. And, you know, also, if someone calls you out, uh, to be open to that and to accept that and to learn from, from one another. Okay. And I'm saying that for myself as much as I'm not trying to like lecture anyone. I hope that comes across to the listeners. I oftentimes I'm like, oh, I could have done this differently or I could have said this differently or I could lend my support in a different way based on what I'm able to do. So just wanting to put that out there. Celebrate International Women's Day, which should be every fucking day. It should never end until women take over. I stand behind that 100%. I will never censor myself. I've been saying that since back when Molly was co-hosting the show. I would say, hey, women need to take over. Get out in the fucking streets. Arm yourselves. Women take over. I still believe that, even now, more than ever. Please make it intersectional, and women, yeah, take the fuck over. Please. Please. All right. Celebrate International Women's Day, when the future of women is being fought out all over the world. Break the chains. Unleash the fury of women as a mighty force for revolution. In the name of humanity, we refuse to accept a fascist America. Speakers, music, and refreshments come together with others to celebrate International Women's Day, share your thinking and dreams, and how we can oust this fascist regime, and further, engage with a real revolutionary path to liberation of women and all of humanity. And this is happening at 6.30 p.m. Sunday, March 12th at Revolution Books in Berkeley, and that's at 2444 Durant Avenue, and you can go to revolutionbooks.org. That's one thing that's happening. There's a lot more things happening. Keep listening. I do plugs here. Also, if you'd like to sponsor the show, please do it. We don't have any sponsors here. What the fuck's up with that? People sponsor a lot of bad things. Why not sponsor something good? Can it make you feel guilty? Can you help sponsor the show? If so, please be in touch. Send me a message on Facebook. If you know me, send me a text. Talk to me. Help me out. Seriously. All right. There's also a teach-in at UC Berkeley happening on March 17th from 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. at the Berkeley YWCA, which reminds me, I'm going to play some Village People today. I have a tendency of, I was like playing all sorts of anti-fascist music. And I think village people are also under that. They're fucking great. I love, I always feel happier when I hear the village people. I feel so good when I hear the village people. They're great. All right. So, which is at the Berkeley YWCA, 2600 Bancroft Way. And this is a teach-in. What is fascism? Why are Trump-Pence fascists? What is the direction and trajectory of this regime? Why is it important to not normalize, accommodate, conciliate, or collaborate with this fascist regime? The Trump-Pence Regime is a fascist regime, not insult or exaggeration. This is what it is for the future of humanity and the planet. We, the people, must drive this regime out. And Trump and Pence have assembled a vicious cabal that has put forth positions 
and begun initiatives which demonstrate that they fully intend to shred political and social norms with catastrophic consequence because Trump has his finger on the nuclear trigger. The Trump-Pence regime is more dangerous to the world than even Hitler. And that's when the RefuseFascism.org new call to action. Join with others to engage and learn about the fascist nature of this administration, what this will mean for humanity, and what we can do to stop it. Students, professors, and activists will speak from different angles and perspectives about this fascist nature of this regime, what this will mean, and what we can do to stop it. Now is a crucial time for people to deeply confront what is actually happening in this country. Speakers will deeply expose and cut through the lies so that we can grasp and respond to the great danger this fascist regime poses to humanity. Come, bring your friends, learn, and teach the truth about Trump's America and get organized to stop them before it's too late. Event will include Deborah Blocker, professor from the French department at UC Berkeley, Jonathan Simon, who's a professor at the School of Law at UC Berkeley, and Refuse Fascism SF Bay Area. Additional speakers to be announced. Cool. Again, that is March 17th, 3.30 to 5.30 at the Berkeley YWCA. Woo! All right. If you thought that was all that was happening, you're incorrect, because there's a lot more that's happening. On Saturday, which is tomorrow, uh, there is a protest happening at a detention center in Richmond, California, my hometown. Yay! Okay, I am pulling up that information. It's happening at 3 p.m., and it's no borders, no nations, noise demonstration. Okay, there's an, there's an invite on Facebook, too, if you want to like find this. So, again, it's no borders, no nations, noise demo. And this is at the West County Detention Facility at 5555 Giant Highway in Richmond. And it's tomorrow, Saturday, from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. Let's read about the details. In recognition of International Women's Day, AF3... IRM, SF Bay Area, calls on the community to join us in solidarity with all immigrants for a noise demonstration outside of the Bay Area's largest ICE detention facility, the Contra Costa West County Detention Facility in Richmond, California. On March 11th, we support all immigrants denounce the targeting of migrant women, including Guadalupe Garcia de Royos, Jeanette Vizguera, Valeria de la Luz, Ms. Gonzalez, Sarah Beltran Hernandez, and Daniela Vargas and honor the ongoing resistance of women on the front lines, including the fight against Trump's racist, anti-Indigenous, anti-Black, anti-Arab, anti-Asian, xenophobic, and Islamophobic executive orders, and defying ICE, ICE arrests, raids, detention, and deportation. Our solidarity breaks through walls. Bring pots and pans, drums, noisemakers, bullhorns, music, signs, your voice, your friends. Let this state and administration hear us loud and clear. Immigrants are welcome here. No borders, no nations, and deportation. Ah, there's something really great about going to protests and being able to yell. I recommend that for folks who haven't been out there yet and have the ability to be out there. Fucking yelling is great. Yelling out in the streets, awesome. Okay, so the hashtag is ni una mas. Hashtag not one more, which is the number one. Hashtag here to stay. Okay, so that is something else that's happening. Also, there is the ROAR conference, and I am going to pull up that information as well. There's also the SF, Ang uh, SF United Against Trump mass meeting happening on Sunday. There's so many meetings happening. There's also the Bay Area Queer Anti-Fascist Network is having a meeting on Sunday as well. There's a lot of meetings happening at the same time, and that's a good thing. 
So the SF United against Trump mass meeting is happening at the Redstone Building. That's Sunday from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. And I'm going to look up the uh, Revolutionary Organizing Against Racism meeting, which is happening this weekend. The first day is happening at the Omni Commons in Oakland. And the uh, second day, it's happening at CIIS in San Francisco. So I am opening up that information right now. And those are, those are going to be the two all-day conferences. So if you can't make it in the morning, you can maybe come in the afternoon and vice versa. So it's a two-day conference focused on revolutionary anti-racism, solidarity, and strategy rooted in the legacy of anti-colonial, anti-fascist, anti-imperialist, feminist, and queer movements and fighters who have come before us. This conference event will be held on both sides of the Bay Area. Day one will be at the Omni Commons in Oakland. Day two will be held in San Francisco at the California Institute for Integral Studies. The schedule, so Saturday, March 11th at the Omni Commons, which is 47 99 Shattuck in Oakland. There's a lot of things happening. So from 10 a.m. all the way to 5.30 p.m. If I believe the address is uh, roarconference.net. I will double-check on that. Why did I say it out loud if I wasn't sure? But they have a lot of different uh, workshops and panel discussions happening, and you can check out more specifics as to which workshops you would like to go to. And... Let's see. Yep, they just have the... This is So It's Going Down, which is another good resource, has a full write-up on this with all of that information. So if you go to itsgoingdown.org, you can check it out right there. And let's see. Roarconference.net. I was correct. This is what happens. I second-guess myself all the time, and I'm usually correct when I second-guess myself. So yeah, roarconference.net. Great. How about, since it is 1230, we take a music break. I mentioned some village people. They make me feel a hell of a lot better. Will they make you feel better? I hope so. I hope you're having a good day, whoever's listening. And uh, yeah, the world's falling apart, but let's think of it this way. It's been falling apart for a long time. So in a way, it's kind of nothing new. And if anything, more people are waking up to it. And not to say that the attacks from the government and some of their supporters isn't more overt, because it is, and it's scary and it's frightening. On the bright side, or on the side, to try to inspire people, more folks are at least aware of this and are uh, maybe gaslighting us less. That's a good thing, right? I think it's a good thing. So let's hear some good village people music. And not, I'm not going to play in the Navy, though, because that kind of goes against what I've been talking about. I get that they're like, ooh, in the Navy, hot dudes. That's, you know, besides the point. We can do a Village People song that's more, uh, that's more, ah, uh, pro-gay, I guess, or a song that's more just for everyone. So this is one of my favorites. Wasn't one of their bigger hits, but I think it should have been, and it's still very relevant. Right. 
And welcome back. That's probably the greatest song of all time. I, it's up there for me. I fucking love it. Macho Man. How how can that song not make you feel good? So good. So, so good. Okay. We open up the show with Joan Baez with Bread and Roses. I thought that would be a good one to start off the show with. And, yeah. Having some water. I'm going to do something fun right now. I'm going to... It's a good news story. It happens sometimes. I feel like this is like the Where's, Where's Waldo of the news program. Every week for like two hours, occasionally there's one or two news stories that are something positive. And I think that's really important to recognize that there are some good things happening in the world despite all of the treacherous things we hear about. Despite man's inhumanity to man and a lot of the terrible things that are happening it's also important to recognize the fun and or good and or positive things that are happening so we recognize it's not a complete loss. So this comes from the Daily Grind. And a lot of the time when we have the positive news stories, it's really something bad happens and then something good happens as a result or something bad is going to happen and then by it not happening, it's positive. So initially when the show started, I spoke a lot about different Back in the day, back in 2013, 2014, when we were living in a simpler times, one big thing I was really interested in, and I still am to a varying degree, was cannabis legalization across the country and the different states that were either decriminalizing it or having medical be available or accessible. And of course, there's different laws, and it's better in some places than others, and it's complicated. And so that would be a positive news story. And then we actually look to the history of it, and it's like, why was this even criminalized in the first place? And we know it's to lock people up. And because certain industries don't would profit from providing alternative, whether it's industries that don't want hemp to be used for manufacturing or for like alcohol, for instance, to be a substance that cannabis could be seen as a competitor to. Although there's plenty of people who do both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Or the pharmaceutical industry since cannabis is a medicine. Don't want that. Can't have something that actually helps people or cures people if you can't profit off it, right? Fucking capitalist assholes. The point is, the positive news stories are oftentimes, well, something bad was going to happen, or something bad was happening, and it was stopped. So this is something along those lines. And it's funny. Well, I think it's somewhat amusing. This comes from the Daily Grind. So I I don't have a lot of respect for some people. (laughs) It's true. And homophobes, go fuck yourselves. Literally. It might feel better. So the new, there's a new Beauty and the Beast movie coming out, which I think is... Ugh, I think I'm opposed to it for like a lot of reasons. Not that these people are opposed to it, but that's a whole other story. So f- folks know the whole the idea with Beauty and the Beast. Okay, first of all, it's like, why is it always this stereotypically uh, attractive female person falling for... Okay, he's, he's being described as a buffalo. So it's like, oh boy. So there's like the bestiality angle there but then also how come it's always this this oh a woman finds uh this typically physically unattractive man attractive she can find love with him how come it's like never the opposite where it's well i guess shrek was kind of like that but for the most part it's uh, this idea of oh a woman can find a really gross dude attractive and maybe he's like a good guy on the inside he's a beast though it's not so much physical i haven't seen it i haven't seen this new one i haven't seen the old one in a long time it just in this, in this narrative where, like, don't worry, ugly guys, even women will find you attractive. And there's not this idea of she doesn't, first of all, need him. Second of all, how about uh, the story of 
men finding women attractive who might not live up to certain ridiculous standards of what they deem as beautiful. I don't even give a shit, really. I guess I, I said that's a lie. I do give a shit because I'm talking about it. So I, clearly I care. This is not even what people are upset about, though. They're not upset about the bestiality angle or the sexism of this idea. And apparently she's also, I forget in the story, that she's kind of, like, kidnapped and she, like, has to, like, work for free. So that's a whole... So there's a lot of problems. One of the characters is, like, gay. And so some theaters are like, oh, my gosh, we can't have a gay character in this in this movie. We can't play it. We can't We can't show this. However, anyone who's ever fucking worked on any movie production or any environment ever knows... Gay people, queer people are everywhere. So you pretty much have to like not show anything. If you're really against gay people participating in your life, you should probably just live by yourself. But then not even then, because you're probably also gay yourself if you're that offended by it. Like you, it's there's some kind of internalized homophobia thing going on. Gay people are everywhere. Is the point? Alabama theater bans Beauty and the Beast accidentally replaces it with drag queen documentary. Aha! And of course, it's like accidentally in improv. There's a saying: there's no such thing as mistakes. This is written by Danielle Acosta, and this came out on March 9th. And this is uh, from The Daily Grind. Oh, how sweet it is. After refusing to screen Beauty and the Beast because of its newly revealed gay character, an Alabama theater accidentally scheduled a film about drag queens in its place. The Henegger Drive-In mistakenly scheduled Fierce, a film about the International Drag Festival in Texas. When life drags you down, drag it up. Reads the film's tagline. Well, the theater's owner, Carol Laney, has been dragged. <laughs> Drag on, that is. Okay. <laughs> she said she thought the film was a Game of Thrones-style movie about dragons. Apparently, Laney was confused because the, post- because the poster for Fierce shows a woman with dragons around her. Unsurprisingly, Fierce has since been pulled from the Henegger Drive-In's lineup of films. You can show the movie some love by watching its trailer below. Do you want to, shall we listen to the, the trailer? Sure, let's do it. Good idea, Roman. I don't know why I'm talking to myself. All the way from the United Kingdom, Mr. Louis when people ask me, is a drug king like a drug queen? I say no, absolutely, categorically no. Oh, I'm going to Texas. Oh, God, I'm going to Texas. Look at this, the International Drag Festival! This is a big deal when people want to travel across the pond to come to the United States. The British are coming. I love the Brits. It'll be queens, kings, this, that, the other, everyone in one big melting pot. It's going to be fabulous. If we can legitimize and really show the world that drag is an actual legitimate art form, people are going to be pulled in and want to see these artists. I'm actually a Texan myself. Una Tejana. Varios <laughs> Latinos. That means a Texan and a feminine. When I was younger and growing up, I was made to feel like I was bad because I was just so sideways compared to everybody else. There's 10 seconds of dramatic tension. Who came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it Gary or is it Cheyenne? Mentally, who's the real person? We achieved something in the UK that I genuinely didn't think would happen, and we got the Equal Marriage Bill through the first time. No one thought that would happen. It meant so much, so it's nice to be able to come here and say, 
to the American crowd, be patient, it will happen and be proud of Britain and what we've done about it. Continue to campaign and protest with love in your hearts. You will get there. You will get there. Now, therefore, I, Steve Adler, mayor of the city of Austin, Texas, do hereby proclaim June 26, 2015 as Marriage Equality Day. And for that, I'm feeling proud, really proud. Let's start building equality for all today. How can anyone say no to us now? We're unstoppable. We've just got to keep it going, keep it going. Drag queens have a voice in the community, and it's up to us to use it. Sadie Sinner is fierce. Meth is fierce. Myra Dubois is fierce. Bag of chips is sassy. Okay, so that's a movie called Fierce. Fierce the movie. And I hadn't seen that clip before. And of course, there's a whole conversation to be had about drag queens and lives of trans folks as trans folks are fucking murdered. Ugh. <sighs> I didn't mean to take this quote-unquote positive news story and then turn it into that, although I do feel like that's a discussion to be had where there is folks whose everyday lives, it's, 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 I can't pretend it doesn't exist. I can't pretend that it's something to be ignored, especially with, with what's happening. Ah, so, just wanted to share that with folks. So I mentioned earlier that back in, a few weeks ago, there was the video footage of an off-duty police officer who drew a firearm on a 13-year-old, and some of his friends were there, and they tried to help him, and then they protested at the officer's house that night. So there's a story in the LA Times that now uh, this officer is being sued, so I wanted to share that. It's in the LA Times, and they have a paywall, <laughs> which is great. Uh, but I wanted to at least recognize that that is, that's happening and folks, it's one way of, um, one way of speaking up and taking action. And that's pretty, it's pretty disgusting. It's police brutality is, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And just in the last decade or so is when we're seeing more video footage of it because that's been made available to people. So I was wanting to share that. I'll see if I can pull up the article before the end of the show. Also wanted to note that the DPW and SFPD are still forcing encampments to to move here in the city, which is disgusting. It's particularly bad given the weather. So I wanted to share a piece from Amy Farrow Weiss, who's been working on that, the St. Francis Homelessness Challenge. It seems folks out of politics are the ones who actually help people more. It seems a lot of the time. There's a lot of the politicians who try to pass laws that end up hurting people. And it's the folks on the outside who are the ones 
wanting to create solutions. So Amy says, shouldn't it be a bigger news story that DPW and SFPD are forcing encampment residents to move without having a place for them to move to? This just happened on San Bruno and Townsend. Almost half the voters, 181,000 at 48% were against Prop Q. But the ones who did vote for it thought that it would actually mean that police would only move people if shelter and nothing were offered rather than just shuffling people around. It was called Housing Not Tents, but the joke is that SFPD isn't restricted at all by Prop Q to move people without offering notice or shelter, let alone offering them homes. SFPD can just move people or cite or arrest them for staying put without saying where they can go. And the Department of Homelessness, DHSH, is knowingly allowing SFPD to do sweeps to nowhere in large part because SFPD is responding to complaints and issues which DHSH doesn't currently have the resources to address. But once again, this is costly, inhumane, and ineffective. We know that sweeping encampment residents doesn't get us the outcomes we want. But did you know that it actually makes things worse? I've just personally witnessed the destabilizing effect that it has to force 50 encampment residents to shuffle to a new spot. It upsets the natural communities and agreements that have been developing in some encampments. It could be argued that it makes things more dangerous in the new locations without addressing public health or safety issues. This seems negligent to me. This is news, and we should all be telling the story and working on humane outcomes driven and collaborative solutions. And this is from the St. Francis Homelessness Challenge, and that's Amy Farrah-Weiss. Amy was one of the people who ran for mayor a couple years back with Francisco Herrera and Broke-Ass Stewart. And clearly, all these three folks would do much more for the city and to help the city's residents than Ed Lee has done, as we can see here. So again, it's and this is not just happening here in San Francisco. I've... There are folks in St. Louis, I know, who work with the homeless population there. Folks have also been pushed out. There's a petition to get one of the homeless shelters in St. Louis to remain open. This is not just a thing in San Francisco. This is happening everywhere. And it seems like the politicians have don't really care at all as to how this is, a, is negatively affecting people. So really wanted to, to share that. As we move along... And I am um, going to share another story, and this is from Salon. Now, there seems to be a lot of infighting on the left, as there always has been, and I think that's part of the problem. There's definitely like the, the folks out there who are attacking us, and then on the inside we kind of attack ourselves and or don't quite trust each other. Or there's people who have a lot of faith in the system or are just going to, hey, let's just wait until 2018. Let's wait until 2020. Let's elect someone to save us. And there's a lot of us who say, this is, we can't do that. We can't afford to wait this long. And also, a waiting to elect someone is kind of what got us in this mess in the first place. Sure, there are folks on the inside who try to do a lot of good work. And at the same time, I think it's up to the people to save ourselves. This comes from Salon. This is on March 10th. Anti-fascist radicals. Liberals don't realize the serious danger of the alt-right. 
to the Antifa movement, cowardly, cowardly liberals are nearly as bad as Donald Trump and the white nationalist right. And I would agree with that. This is by Matthew Sheffield. Since the election of Donald Trump as president, liberals and leftists have been discussing how best how to best respond to American conservatism's transformation from shop-worn Cold War anti-government philosophy into something else. So the anarchists and socialists who consider themselves part of the global Antifa movement, an abbreviation for anti-fascist, that transition currently taking place on the right is all too familiar. The rise of the alt-right and white nationalism within the U.S. is something the mainstream left doesn't take seriously enough. They say, even as many Democrats compare Donald Trump to Adolf Hitler. If it is true that the civic nationalism of Trump and his top strategist, strategist Steve Bannon, are helping to lay the groundwork for a more radical right, intentionally or otherwise, then their self-described appoint- opponents on the left need to do more then wear safety pins and post Facebook denunciations of the president they didn't vote for, say the Antifa advocates. As Natasha Leonard, a former staff writer for Salon, wrote earlier this year for The Nation that coming to such a realization is difficult for many people on the left. Despite their posture of desiring radical change, most leftists are actually conservative in a certain sense. Liberals cling to institutions. They begged to no avail for faithless electors. They see evisceration in a friendly late-night talk show debate. They put faith in investigations and justice, justice with regards to Russian interference and business conflicts of interest. They grasp at hypotheticals about who could have won were things, as, were things not as they in fact are. For political subjects so tied to the mythos of reason, it is liberals who now seem deranged. Instead of merely talking among themselves about opposing racism, say the anti-fascists, leftists need to take direct action to make being a white nationalist as difficult as possible. That's why many Antifa proponents have concentrated their efforts on tactics, such as targeting the financial means of support for websites they see as enabling or promoting fascist views. They have even engaged in acts of physical assault against members of the far right. Only by fighting and destroying fascism can we actually defeat it, an anonymous member of the website It's Going Down told Salon via email. The Antifa's anonymity is one of several superficial characteristics they share with their bitter rivals on the alt-right. Another is that they take politics much more soberly than their less extreme counterparts do. For the Antifa's, understanding that white nationalists are deadly serious about instigating a racial holy war is the key to countering them. During the rise of the Nazi regime in Germany, while anarchists and communists were literally fighting the fascists in the streets, the liberals and social democrats attempted to debate the Nazis point for point in the halls of power, the anonymous activist continued. This did nothing, and also normalized the positions of the Nazis and also made them into legitimate positions. The center-left's desire for an open society is its critical weakness. Members of a Nebraska-based Antifa collective told Salon via email because viewpoints that want to deny all free speech cannot be allowed to speak freely. Liberalism has proven itself unable to prevent the rise of, fra- to prevent the rise of fascism over and over again, the activists wrote. By the time liberals are comfortable with cracking down on fascism, it's almost always too late. Antifa wants to make sure that no roots can take hold that every attempt to organize and recruit for the fascist agenda is physically confronted and shut down. 
beyond targeting right, far-right activists' financial means and showing up to physically confront them at their events, many Antifa activists have made it their mission to expose the true identities of popular alt-right figures so they cannot hide behind pseudonyms. The Nebraska activists provided an example of this tactic in December when they exposed the identity of Cooper Ward, a University of Nebraska student who was outed as the co-host of a popular neo-Nazi podcast. He quit the podcast program after being identified and hasn't returned. Building a fan base through overt racism has become much easier in the eyes of some Antifa radicals, thanks in part to the mainstream media, several of the leftist activists told Salon. There is nothing objective about writing an article about alt-right neo-Nazis without including perspectives of their ideological opposites, argued the Nebraska activists. We have noticed a marked lack of Antifa views in the mainstream media. We are denied a voice while they are elevated and made to see mainstream. That alleged refusal to permit Antifa voice to be heard within mainstream journalism pieces about the alt-right is indicative of a system bias by the press. It's going down, wrote. The world the alt-right wants is not that much different from the one we live in now, just one where the class, gender, and racial divisions are more crystallized. Anarchists who fight for a world where power is horizontally organized and political power is taken out of the hands of a centralized state and decentralized into human communities where people don't work for wages but instead human labor is put towards needs and a job, and where industrial production is destroyed in favor of sustainability, is such a radical vision, and one that truly seeks to liberate all poor and working people from the sinking Titanic that we now currently inhabit. Most journalists don't want to touch it. Antifa activists also take issue with liberals who think that letting people with racist or anti-Semitic views state them publicly somehow serves as a method of relieving societal pressures. Instead, as an anonymous essayist on the anarchist website CrimeThink wrote, such expressions merely increase the reach and influence of the far right. Fascists are only attempting to express their views peacefully in order to lay the groundwork for violent activity. Because fascists require a veneer of social legitimacy to be able to carry out their program, giving them a platform to speak opens the door to, being, to their being able to do physical harm to people. Public speech promoting ideologies of hate, whether or not you consider it violent on its own, always complements and correlates with violent actions. By affiliating themselves with movements and ideologies based on oppression and genocide, fascists show their intention to carry on these legacies of violence, but only if they can develop a base of support. The Antifa activist's brutal approach to politics has earned them no love from many liberal and leftist quarters. Even Occupy.com has featured a highly critical essay calling the anonymous activists a, dev a devolution uh, in the philosophy of the left. Radical and even violent action against the far right probably does alienate some people. Antifa activists are quick to admit. But direct street action also attracts support in ways that political speechifying or angry letters to the editor simply cannot, they say. It is certainly true that more extreme supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement have made many right-wingers more antagonistic toward police reform advocates, and mainstream Democratic and Republican hierarchies were completely ignoring the issue before fires began burning in Ferguson, Missouri, and Baltimore. An anonymous essayist explored this point in detail for its going down late last year. Liberals and much of the left claim that confrontational tactics hurt us more than they help, from breaking windows to blocking streets. But in reality, 
each and every time this plays out in our communities, it is simply not the case. In fact, confrontation and disruption, in other words, physically fighting, brings more people in than sign-holding or writing letters to the editor ever did. If anything, the wet blanket and attempts to control things by protest managers and liberals kills social movements, not competitive actions which can be disruptive and at times violent. We see this playing out in every social struggle and movement. The riots, blockades, and clashes with police in Occupy Oakland grew the size and scale of the movement and were themselves informed by the Oscar Grant riots and student occupations of several years prior. The Ferguson insurrection inspired youth across the country and led to other uprisings and rebellions which pulled in tens of thousands. Despite leaders within the Black Lives Matter movement attempting to endorse the Democrats, channel the movement back into politics, and reduce it to simple reforms, the movement continues to evolve and remain combative and disruptive over a period of several years. Liberals and leftists claim that confrontational actions scare away people from getting involved, but we find the opposite to be true. When people see a struggle is real, when there is skin in the game, something to fight for, and people are putting their bodies on the line, they often come out in droves. It is symbolic and legalistic protest, which is pointless and doesn't work and ends up turning many people away. By definition, the Antifa arguments are both radical and controversial. The unanswered question is whether liberals, moderates, and others who oppose the radical right can learn something from the Antifa activists' confrontational stance. Or will the violent tactics they advocate only worsen tensions in a divided society and beget more violence? All right, so that's was this author's perspective, and I appreciate that they are giving voice to anarchists and folks who are putting their bodies on the line. I mean, that's the thing. People say there was this debate happening and folks were saying, oh, you shouldn't punch Nazis. And the question is, first of all, why? And also, when do you stop them? Do you wait till people are marching in the streets, rounding people up? When do you start fighting back? Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And at the same time, looking at history, if people had fought back a lot sooner, had realized what a threat this was and fought back, then things would not have progressed as they did. All right, it's 105. We are also taking calls here at the station all the time. 415-550-0511. Please do give us a call, especially if you're at any of the protests this week. Any coming up, anything information to share, please do call 415-550-0511. And we'll play some more music, thinking about something that will be good for folks. doesn't even have to be good, but something, something that's pleasant. And yeah, so here, here we go. Depend on your family 
can't depend on your friends you can't depend on a beginning you can't depend on an end you can't depend on intelligence you can't depend on god you can only depend on one thing Bus load of faith to get by. Watch it, baby. Bus load of faith to get by. Bus load of faith to get by. Bus load of faith to get by. Need a bus load of faith to get by. You can't depend on the worst stories happening. Can't put a hand on a murderous drive. That if he rapes somebody, there'll be no trouble having a child. You can bet that if she aborts it, her life is will attack with rage. You depend on the worst always happening. Need a bus load of feet to get by. Yeah! Bus load of feet to get by. Bus load of feet to get by. Bus load of feet to get by, baby. Bus load of feet to get by. Can't depend on the goodly hearted, it. Goodly hearted made lampshades and soul. You can't depend on the sacrament. No father, no holy ghost. You can't depend on any churches unless there's real estate that you want to buy. Can't depend on a lot of things. You need a bus load of faith to get by. What? Bus load of faith to get by. 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 You can't depend on no miracle. You can't depend on the air. Depend on a wise man. Can't find them because they're not there. You can't depend on cruelty. Crudity of thought and sound. You can't depend on the worst always happening. You need a busload of faith to get by. Busload of faith to get by. Busload of faith to get by. Was load of feet you get by Was load of feet you get by Have <laughs> 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 <laughs>
And welcome back to the weekly review. Joined here by Mona Lisa Wallace, a civil rights attorney and activist. Mona Lisa, thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. It's a beautiful day in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, so we were discussing uh, violence, of course, which has been in this country since forever, pretty much. Yep. And how it's... Since the colonization. Yes. Studies history of violence against nature and people and humanity. Um, a culture of violence against women. Yeah. And it seems like now people are somehow this idea of like waking up and even though it's it's been here for a, since it's been here for hundreds of years yeah like at the same time it's been a culture of peace where you know the quakers and the original people who came here to flee religious persecution from europe and the people who came here prior to that from you know what we're learning is like polynesian and people who traveled the globe long before the europeans had um um reached the point of having cities and things they were still living in caves in asia there were there was a very high developed language and culture and they traveled all around the globe and populated all around the globe and to think that we had um these millennia with no history of this like horrific violence but what has come out of i think a patriarchy that's been continuing to develop has really like blossomed um in some ways with um, the corporate personhood and the way that we have, you know, you can say that it's a bad guy. It's Saddam Hussein. It's it's Hitler. It's Trump. It's whoever. You can blame a person, but it's not a person. It's machinations of society Mm -hmm. and patterns that, you know, have been, have, have been developing through thousands of years, you know, where like the, um, you know, I was just recently um, reading that in Egypt they found this ancient Sekhmet temple, the Khat goddess, uh-huh. you know, and um, I'm also reminded that the oldest, the very oldest relics of sculptures or statues that we have that humans have ever made. Yeah. Um, they were found like I think up in Germany. They're forty thousand years old and they look like cat goddesses. They look huh. like Sekhmet. And um and then there's also close to that age, um, other kind of goddess figurines that ha- are very plump with like childbirth, you know. Yeah. And that when I think about how when we remember ancient Egypt, we remember it as a pharaonic Society, but lo- long before the pharaohs, they had their fully developed, you know, deity system, language, yes. and um, the more they've learned about. Um, even that things weren't actually, a lot of these structures were not actually made by slaves. They were made by people on their part-time. A lot huh. of the the things we're learning about ancient cultures prior to patriarchy is pretty awesome. Yeah. And um, I think that that is probably the prevailing human spirit as yes. of love and peace and yes. understanding and compassion. You know, we even see cross species love and, you know, you hear about like little children getting rescued by wolves or bears yeah. or whatever and taking care of or wild dogs and that, you know, these things happen. Mm-hmm. I think that it's innate in the human spirit to be loving. But with patriarchy, what we had is this development of bureaucratic systems which detach us 
from the actual impact of our behavior. Yes. So in some ways, it's really great. We can build skyscrapers. We can build bridges. We can do really cool things with bureaucracy. But we can also do really, really hateful things. And to yes. think that like with all every bridge, this great bridges, there were hundreds of people who you know sacrificed their health or lives who were very underpaid doing the the groundwork on a lot of this kind of work. Yes. So bureaucracies enable you know a, a, a pyramid scheme sort of you know where at the very bottom is the dirty dangerous labor of society and including the dirty dangerous food of society like the food supply is that oh, way yeah. if you can afford it, if you're a one percenter you know you're going to eat all organic it's going to be you know beautiful food but what are you going to eat when you're at the the bottom mm -hmm. of uh, economic system so like what they say like they feed um the um the imprisoned uh, people who are looking for um, asylum in the United States, they capture them and put the, them in privatized profit profiteering prisons that feed them on less than 75 cents a day mm -hmm. and they're eating this horrible food yeah. and living in that situation and so I think you know I think when we're talking about like a culture of peace and a culture of violence that we really have to look at how um, that really the root causes. So yes. as we're running around blaming, you know, playing the bl blame game and trying to name the the bad guy that's causing all the problems and yeah. the woes, you know, like, oh look, there's all these billionaires in the cabinet. Well, you know, they they, they used to just be hundred millionaires and now they're they're billionaires. So like, we're <laughs> yeah. What are we really complaining about? And you know that that the when I look at the the situation with the water supply it's yeah. it's dire yes it's dire um the the children in flint yeah they need education they need you know modern techniques they have they have ways of helping to remove lead from children's bodies like i don't know what it's called like there's procedures like chelating i don't know what it really is called but um but i know there there are treatments for these children so that they can minimize the brain damage that they're still having but that water is still polluted yes and the the impoverished children there need water now i mean yeah. this is a crisis right now that's yeah. something that where we need to think about as a society that you know we've had um violent action in yemen like wow we sold them 60 billion dollars worth of arms just you know what is it five six years ago and you know it was in the newspapers like woohoo obama made us a bunch of money but uh. we're the number one arms dealer what happens when you're producing uh. so much arms where do they end up going right you you know, and there's a resale market and another resale market. And so the the responsibility of these bureaucracies, the top of the bureaucracy to all the people at the bottom, there's something we have to do yeah. to really stop that. And I think like from a from a lawyer's perspective, you know, we look at Hobby Lobby and the Citizens United cases yes. and cases that are increasing the amount of rights that these entities have these corporate entities that yes. are not people yes. that you know now they have religious freedom they can believe in they can have yeah. religious freedom and um you know that's hobby lobby how can a corporation have have believe in anything or have, yeah. be offended spiritually or i mean it just it blows my mind you know citizens united where they have first amendment rights so you know now they i mean they can fund with impunity all kinds of alec and all kinds of legislation that that helps to feed people into the privatized profiteering prison system for example so the three strikes laws and all the increasing laws like that or diminishing the ability of people to know what's in their food so they can't even protect themselves from these like chronic illnesses and this like 
increasing medicalization of everything and everyone's on these expensive medications that yeah. they absolutely somehow need yeah. and then they like i you know some of these medications have like a thousand times markup you know it's yeah. really intense profiteering off of the little people yes. and for us to to have our i think our our eye off the ball so to speak yeah. when we when we're blaming a single person or entity right. and not looking at the, the overall systemic. situation you know and what really leading them like let's lead our government and say this is what we care about yes. you know we care about um, the Dakota access pipeline not happening because we want to we want to minimize the risk to our water supply yes we want that to be important we yeah. want the people who are who don't have access to water to have that we, um, you know I don't know if you ever saw there's like a YouTube that I, I saw the um, CEO of Nestle saying oh that he's a oh water is water should be marketed just like food or anything else and it's not a human right yeah, and so you know they're 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 out about it. It's not yeah. secret. Right. Like it's out. They're out yeah. with this agenda yeah. to privatize water yeah. and wa the water supply. So polluting the water, of course, is a profit. You know, yes. makes a lot of money for bottled water companies. Yes. And again, you know, with the we have that happening here in um, Mount Shasta, where um, the the people are being basically railroaded through without like the right environmental impact reports done uh, about like again allowing you know a major water bottling company to come and just like just drain the water supply for bottled water where and beverages where um the the action of our laws are are our laws are not being upheld and then and 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 even if they are they're just not enough yeah yeah Oh, on and on and on and on. Yeah. But yeah, say I think it's a lot of it is the same old, same old. And I would, I if if I could say anything about where I, you know, would hope people could get what we have in common. You know, there's the Black Panthers, and then there's the Hari Krishnas, and then there's the psychedelic tripper hip hippies, and then you know, but there's something all these people have in common. Yeah. And what is that thing? You know, are we counterculture? What what is that? And um, I think like later. Uh, uh, um, there's this theorist Paul Ray and he wrote about the cultural creatives mm. you know but basically that in that summer of love and in the gathering of tribes and during that time where people found that there is a unity yes among these people the um, you know the um, the um, LGBTQ community the you know this what is this common thread that everyone has and the labor movement yeah. the feminist movement and so the the common thread is this just I I believe like innate human respect yes for and love for each other just yes. like every like every beautiful brand new child no matter what you know race or religion is their parents or not religion or whatever it's just adorable and yeah. wonderful and a gift to yes. the world and i think that we innately know that yes yeah and through like i guess through capitalism or through the media one growing up in this country one gets brainwashed to run away from that i think run away from what's innate or run, run away from what is our authentic love our love yeah. our love for each other for each and every other person and respect for each and every other person 
and I think that also the, the myth of individuality where, oh, we can, we can do something on our own or this idea of pulling oneself up by the bootstraps instead of collaboration. And it's more based on competition instead. Yeah. Like all these ideas are kind of tools of this pathological culture of violence that we live in and that we can deprogram ourselves to those mm-hmm. um those lies and myths yeah and you know i appreciate your work because i see that you you work hard to do that oh i just i mean i, I try it's easy it's not it's, hard it's, it's just i mean it's natural <laughs> it's i feel like if i don't say something that i've i have the ability to say something and it's like a it's a privilege to to be here in this space so i feel like when one needs to to counteract all the other misinformation that we receive elsewhere and it's easy to feel powerless in this world and that's how the people who stay in power and I should say power in quotation marks because maybe there's this idea of who has power, who doesn't have power. People have power. And That's there's right. this idea that we we don't. And so then people don't speak up or we think we can't make a change or we need to vote someone in to make change for us or to represent us. And I feel like given history, it's people on the outside of the systems that have made a lot more of the change. That's right. That's right. And, and I think the... The beginning part of that is by um, coming together under certain like unified shared beliefs or goals. Yeah. And for example, the um, that water is a human right. Right. That would be one that yeah. we as a people could yeah. come together. One would think to that really, everyone would get that. To really see that as as a requirement for all people and an entitlement to all people yeah um out of love and love for each person each yeah. person i was the least i could do for you yeah maybe i can't give you money maybe whatever mm-hmm. but i you know i would like to at least give you a glass of water yes because you need a glass of water if you yes. need that you should that at the very least yes you know hello you know we're still humans we deserve that right so yeah, so I'm also like wondering what can be done and aside from creating the world that we all deserve to live in, what can be done to directly kind of going into that previous article I was speaking about to directly confront the people who are the ideas, uh, the ideology of folks who don't want people to have the water, who don't want us to stay together. How do we fight back? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that one thing that um that would be very helpful would be if as a society we started to actually recognize what the real problem here is and that is corporate personhood Mm -hmm. and the impunity with which entities that don't die and don't have a conscience can become very very wealthy and very very harmful to people so in a way it's like a type of ai philosophically speaking i see and so that if we could understand that and remove the impunity so um that i mean this can go from all different levels but you know having to do with um the ability for example um people die we're mortal. Yeah. And, um, but we've passed these laws. A lot of states, California, Arizona, we've passed states, uh, states have passed um, these um, wonderful laws that help protect people from their property tax going up too high when they're aging. Yeah. Because if suddenly, you know, you you bought a little shack in Palo Alto and, you know, for $18,000 in 1952, and now it's worth one million dollars or two five million dollars even that your property tax could be way more than your social security check or something right so hey let's um let's let's lock in your property tax rate until you die 
or sell your house. Yeah. And that way it can't go up too too high and yes. stress you out too much, even if your neighborhood goes up in value. Yes. And that's a, um, a wonderful rule. And we should have that, that, you know, and I think all the states should have laws like that. But the problem is, is because corporations never die. Um, they don't have to continue to increase, leap, increase their property tax. And anytime anybody tries to do anything about it in a state, they're going, oh, then all the businesses will leave our state and go to another state. So the, you know, it would have to be a federal system that says, you know, hey, you know, according to tax law, corporations don't get like, these benefits that are meant for human beings. Yes. And so, um, and so it would have to be so from a federal, you know, side, but in California, they call it the third rail of politics. They won't talk about that. Mm. And here's the really scary part about that. And this is the intersectional part as well yeah. is that, so property tax is the fundamental main way that education is paid for yeah. in our society. So yes. your schools get their money from property tax. Yes. So schools are having this diminishing amount of income. Yes. And it's simultaneously, they have this incredible, frightening, terrifying epidemic of child autism. Mm-hmm. So in a typical school, if you have a couple grades of every, like two first grades, two second grades, two whatever, yeah. then you know statistically, since one in 88 kids is in, uh, has autism or on the autism spectrum in California, and in um, Utah, one in 44, huh. you can see typically why a typical like Utah elementary school, for example, would have someone on the spectrum in every single grade level, yes. which used to not be the case. Mm. And so the, the amount of resources that we need for the schools and the dynamic that's changing in the schools um, is very important. And the school f- food system is supplied through a federal system that has trans fat, even though the FDA said there's no, no amount of trans fat is edible, it still has trans fat, it's in heated plastic which is you know we also know that you know these are endocrine disrupting um the biphenyl or whatever those chemicals actually are extremely extremely problematic in our food and water supply especially for children because they're the ones who are more sensitive to hormonal changes yes so you know and pregnant women of course so you know we see the system where the property tax issue and the corporate personhood it kind of doubles up on itself so now the schools aren't paid for and the schools are dealing with this problem what's causing the problem could have something to do with the externalities of corporate um, activities that are causing the plastics and the 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 chemicals to leach into our food and water supply Um, you know for example in Flint their school system has to deal with this yes okay now how is the school system funded and who's paying for that, those schools how does that work so the whole thing comes around to it to, into itself and the um the recent thing where you know people for years have been um saying oh um the public school system is failing we need to defund it or reorganize it and uh, you know the, the the music was taken away the art was taken yeah, away yeah. and the reality is is that they're in survival mode mm-hmm. you know it's like judging somebody who is you know unemployed and who has no money for like you know for what what how can you judge somebody who's doing their best with the scraps that right. they have yes you know and so they're that what we need to do is really think about how this corporate personhood going back to what we're talking about is like what can we do yeah and i think number one is to ask ourselves what does corporate personhood have to do with this problem yeah uh yeah yeah 
Yeah, because yeah, because it's everywhere. Even here in in San Francisco, thinking about like Twitter not paying its taxes, for instance, and how the wealth disparity. I guess I have I have more questions than answers, and seeing the the correlations. So I guess like then how and then if the politicians are in cahoots with a lot of the corporations, they're not going to go after them. How do politicians get their money to advertise and get elected? Where do they get from that the money? From the people? Or from, like, <laughs> lobbyists? I mean, like, that's when they ask for, like, donate right. to me and I'll right. represent you, and then they end up not. Corporations. Corporations, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. PACs. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And so corporations can put right, money right. into politicians right. secretly even. Right. And so th- that that's there. You know. Yeah. That there that's there. Ugh. So, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like we're up against a lot. So, yeah. I think that it's I think that 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 we we're up against a lot, but it's still I think if we have that clarity that where how corporate personhood is is responsible to a large degree for a lot of the problems that seem insurmountable that what we could do is look to how we can resolve that and then see how all the rest of it dismantles and how it falls out because I ultimately really really do trust people I love people I trust people I look in people's eyes and wherever their you know experience has been in the world or whatever I feel like they don't want to hurt me they don't want to hurt anyone like people are just loving somebody's child at some point yeah. is in that those eyes no matter how old they are you yeah. know I, I you know i believe in people yes. but what i don't believe is in corporations yes. they don't love us yeah that's true so if love if love is the answer yeah if love is the answer when we've, we've got to remember that corporations don't love us not their pharmaceutical corporations yep. or or Fuel company, yes. corporations, insurance corporations. Yeah. You know, why can't we have single payer health care? You know, we like yep. why there's so many wonderful healing doctors, like people who have just so much healing energy and they study so hard and they really care about you and they yes. want to treat you. They want to yes. take care of you. Yeah. But in order to do that, there's a stack of paperwork yep. and all kinds of checks have to go everywhere yep. and they're not going to go to your doctor and they're not going to go to you. They're yes. not, they're not, they're, they're they, it's all, ha- it, it's all coming through all this machinations of paperwork, yeah. all because of insurance companies right. that there is a huge amount of, and then they'll, you know, the, they'll say, oh, well, we're going to approximate, we're going to give these people, as long as you have to go through all that billing paperwork, you know, all that, like every Advil or Ibuprofen or whatever is $9 or whatever they charge and go through all that and somebody's got to count it and tally it and count for it and allocate 20% of that cost goes from here and to you and that's part of your copay or blah, 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 all that math and all that work. And none of that had to do with making you better. Right, absolutely. And the medication that you need, you know, that 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 there's such a thing as incentivizing, and we should yeah. incentivize um, innovation in, in medical care. But yeah. sometimes the older medicine is better, and they yeah. but and the newer medicine is just more heavily marketed. Right. And sometimes the, the the medicine that you're given has a thousand time profit markup, even though it isn't even necessarily the best medicine for what you need. So we you know we need to really just take out some of the profit motive from some of the things that 
that we're doing and trust in actual human people and yes. not corporate persons yes. Yes. to make decisions for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. That sounds like a, a world I want to live in for sure. Yeah, it's the, the world we do live in, right? Yeah. We are. The co- corporations are constructs. Yeah, that's true. That's really good to remember. I feel like it's just, it's 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 tricky, especially because I also recognize one can also vote with one's money. Like it's, we can boycott places and we can choose where we choose to spend money. And then at the same time, not everyone has the same option because there's not a lot of choices as to, you know, if we get food, as you were saying earlier, if you don't have a high budget or if you're like in a food desert and not that much food is available to you, you don't have as much control over to who gets the money from or where you buy things or the the options there's a, this false idea that you can buy a lot of different things but then who's actually controlling i guess or who's going to profit off the items that one does buy Right. I think that's definitely a huge part of it and and also to know that when you um support a local um artisan or yeah. you know carpenter or whatever that how you know you're keeping the money in your in your area and how um the homesteading skills people are learning that more and more people are in, like in the um you heard of victory gardens like in world war ii times oh, yeah like some 40 or percent or more of people's caloric intake came from their backyards yeah so it is possible to grow food locally and it's also possible to support local yes um far- farmers but you know we what we need to know how to do is how to cook yeah you know and cook together communally like this yes. whole industrialized system where there's like one woman and standing in front of a stove and a, and a man who goes to work in a factory and then brings the check home and then they and she's doing it all that is such a weird freaky thing for humans because humans never used to live like that right. a village raised a baby yes. you didn't have to do 24 hours of childcare, 24 hours of cooking cleaning everything just yeah. by yourself with no help and you know while someone else went and got the the dollars like that lifestyle is didn't make anybody happy yes yeah it didn't work for anyone so we need to build local culture we need to create local community we need to yeah. love each other up hug each other fix each other's soup make more if you're cooking if you're gonna cook if you're gonna go through all the trouble of yeah. dirtying up pots and pans and cutting boards make enough food for 10 people and share it yeah. or eat some of that food later and don't get takeout or yeah. get or support local local takeout local places bring your own stuff you don't need to use disposable things with all your meals yes you know we can really we could really continue to build local culture and you see so much of it here in the bay area like you see lending libraries in in berkeley of like tools you don't have to buy a drill if you only use one once every three years yeah just go to borrow one a rake whatever or talk to your neighbors or talk yeah yes you see what because i feel like there's also it goes back to this idea of individuality and this isolationist mentality which yeah you got to buy everything you know in my neighborhood there's a really cute parents group where you know they have a ski closet so some parent is generous enough to hold the ski closet because if you're going to take your kids to to where it's cold you you know they're going to grow out of that whatever thing is that you know fuzzy cute little outfit is cute but i mean they're only going to wear it one time and the boots and everything just once yeah so when they're brand new still practically after they've been worn once in the snow so um, they that they're they're the ideas of sharing economies and yes. supporting each other, and I think that there that the Bay Area really is a model for that. Yeah, and I think that's what when we we talk about the concerns with um, some of the um, gentrification and things yes. that are happening yes. is losing a lot of that um, community yes. support that we give each other, and you know we have the free farm stand. You here in in San Francisco, you can eat free organic food. Where's the free farm stand? It's uh, just really close to here. It's like twenty. 
23rd and Mission, I think, okay. that, you know, right there, the Los Ninos Park. Oh, yeah. Every Sunday. Um, I think it's like, don't get me if I might be wrong, but like 11 to 1 or whatever I think is oh, about awesome. the time. And um, it's all organic food. And it, and it's the thing I like about that the free farm stand is that it's it's not a classist place. It's not like oh you're poor so you go here and you get the secondhand whatever unwanted stuff. It like the you know that idea. Instead, it's more like okay this is the community people bring. If they have avocados on their tree, they bring them. Oh awesome. If you have lemons because you you have too much. You know if you grow if your church is growing squash, nobody wants like you know three bushels of squash they're yeah. all ready at the same time you yeah. know and you're just like oh what do i do with all this squash yeah. so so people bring the food there and also a lot of the farmers market the local farmers when after they do their farmers market stuff and they sell it they if they haven't sold it all they don't want to bring it home because it's already ripe yeah so they'll you know share it and the people who come can hang out and somebody will play guitar in the grass and they, there's a little park there and kids are playing and so it's people of all classes too it's not you know it's not you know it's it's a community sharing nice. opportunity and it there's no like weirdness about about that at all you know it's just really nice place to go on a sunday afternoon awesome. and you come home with a box of fresh yeah, veggies that's great i had no idea that's really <laughs> oh, cool i'll meet you there on sunday excellent <laughs> very cool awesome well is there um so we're running full we'll be on air for another 10 minutes or so is there anything else you'd like to to share we could also talk about uh what this past wednesday i don't know if we, we talk about like the marches at all if you have any thoughts on those um oh well i'm gonna yeah. do that though on Val's. oh sure sure so maybe yeah I'll, maybe i'll take a break now yeah definitely and, and go talk to was i cool. talking really loud oh no maybe i was gonna good. go talk to, to val yeah well thank you um, mona lisa so much for oh, speaking with us that was yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. So, yeah, so stay tuned because coming up next will be Global Vow with Women's Magazine. And you can uh, continue listening on here at mutinyradio.fm. This is Roman. You've been listening to the Weekly Review. And, yeah, lots of food for thought. And, yeah, when we do mean food, we mean food. And awesome ideas of things that are already happening and ways to share what we have here in the world already. And also just recognizing, as we've mentioned before, a lot of the, the things that are problematic in the world have been going along, have been here for a while since before this administration. And it's also important to recognize the, the systemic issues that kind of brought us here as opposed to the, the, the people themselves. Because we can you know target people, but it's more important to recognize the, the, the systems that are in place that have brought us uh these issues so um along those lines uh, let's play some music for the rest of the show uh thanks everyone for listening uh this is roman again looking for sponsors here at meet new radio please do help out if you're able you can follow us on the internet facebook.com slash weekly rev and continue doing good things in your life reach out to folks be kind, fight the system, fight corporations, shop locally, uh, support folks, support each other, check in with folks you haven't spoken to for a while. That's always a good thing to do too. This, this culture definitely wants to encourage us to be isolationist, to be separate from one another. And as Diamond Dave says, we can do more together than any of us can do on our own. So I wanted to share that. Stay tuned to Mutiny Radio. As I mentioned before, coming up next will be 
Women's Magazine with Global Val and Mona Lisa Wallace, who you just heard on this program, will be sharing some more thoughts as well. So stay tuned. Also, coming up after that is the Common Thread Collective. Lots of good folks sharing lots of music, ideas. I was going to say politics. Politics, too. Poetry, words, feelings. A lot of good things here at Mutiny Radio. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And, uh, yeah, I'll be playing some music to round up the show. So, again, thanks, everyone, for listening in. And we'll be back next week.
insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. This is Tussle Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.Evan. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? 
Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. The second annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is coming March 1st through 5th, 2017 to San Francisco, featuring 25 shows in five days and 50 comedians from across the entire U.S., from Washington and Portland to Los Angeles, New York to Indiana, Tennessee to Pennsylvania, these comics will join San Francisco's best underground comedians for five days of comedy at Mutiny Radio. All shows will be live streaming and available after via podcast at www.mutinyradio.fm. But see them live in our intimate 30-seat performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Mission, March 1st through 5th. Tickets available on our website, www.mutinyradio.fm now. Brought to you by our generous festival sponsors, Alta California Botanicals, Destiny's Mom, What a Tomato Produce Company, the law offices of John P. Strauss III, Asiento, FruFruHot.com, Jankytown.org, Brooke Heineken, Pervert Fervor, and Trina Roderick. Asiento. This locally owned Mission Neighborhood Bar and Restaurant is excited to be a sponsor for the festival. 
We hope you'll join us any night of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival for happy hour pricing all night long. Just mention that you are an audience member for happy hour pricing March 1st through the 5th at Asiento. Our address is 2730 21st Street at Bryant Street, just a half a block away from Mutiny Radio. Asiento has a warm, friendly neighborhood vibe that's perfect for an after-work drink or for a night out. Featuring a comfortable bar and extensive tapas menu, this is the perfect place for groups that want to get together for drinks and food. Join us at Asiento. Whoa there. What a tomato. Where did you find such a nice tomato? What a tomato? I know, I just said that. Where'd you get that fine heirloom? What a tomato. Look, man, this isn't a come on. Just tell me where you got that beautiful tomato. What a tomato. No, no, seriously. I actually want to eat a tomato. I love tomatoes. Where did you get that tomato? What a tomato. Dude, it's a fine, beautiful tomato. I want to eat one, too. I want one right now. I like to eat them like an apple with salt. Tell me, where'd you get the tomato? What a tomato. Are you high? Just tell me where I can find a tomato like that. What a tomato. Is this a metaphor? What a tomato produce company in San Francisco. For all your wholesale produce needs... 2055 Jared Avenue. Hope your legs are looking sexy, because we're going to charm your pants off. Come to the Charm Offensive Comedy Show at Punchline San Francisco. It's a night of great jokes, magnetic personalities, featuring the Bay Area's most awarded comedians, plus national headliners. You'll laugh. You'll swoon. And when you regain your composure, you'll swipe right. Tuesday, March 7th. Doors at 7, show at 7.30 at 444 Battery Street in San Francisco's Financial District. Brought to you by Paco Romaine and Destiny's Mom's Comedy. Our last show sold out, so get your tickets now at punchlinecomedyclub.com. Charm Offensive at Punchline Comedy San Francisco. Tuesday, March 7th. See you there, sexy. What's with the limp? I got hit by a car on my bike. This person just ran a red light. How are you going to work? You wait tables. I don't know. I'm terrified. I count on my tips and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Man, you should go to johnstraußlaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. And it's not business. It's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com Alex! Ed! Can you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternatives 
him to smoke it. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. This is Tussle Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's D 